0: Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from OTRGold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Here's a real interesting article in the evening paper, Molly. The Census Department estimates that there's more than 16,000 different kinds of occupations in the country today. Wow. And well, there's even a couple of guys out on the road peddling bird bath water.
1: <laughs> With such a selection, you wonder how a young man today would know what line to take up.
0: Makes me stop and wonder, too. How do you suppose my life would have turned out if I'd have taken up some different occupation?
1: Well, for you, sweetheart,
0: any occupation would be a change. I'm talking about the career I settled on as a young fellow. You know, Molly, with my brains, I'll bet I would have made a whale of a college professor. I can almost see myself now wearing a tweedy suit and smoking my pipe in some ivy-covered hall of learning.
1: Did you ring for me, Dr. McGee?
0: I sure did, Miss Dinkum. And that's Dr. McGee, Ph.D., if you don't mind. I like to be called the whole thing. Gives me class. Yes, sir. <laughs> did that one go right past you, Miss Dinkum? A college professor teaches classes and I say calling me by my title gives me class. (laughs) It's a little academic play on words, kind of a witticism. Ain't funny, Dr. McGee. Oh, well, I thought it was pretty good with myself. But be that as it may or may not be, or not, I want you to type up this uh, monograph for me. It's about my life study of the cooking utensils of the ancient Phoenicians.
1: Oh, Dr. McGee, you mean you're finally ready to go into print with that exciting work?
0: That's right, Miss Dinkum. And from what my publisher tells me, this will be an even bigger seller than my treatise on Assyrian methods of making glass beads. Incidentally, we never did hear back about selling the movie rights to that one, did we? No. None of the studios answered your letter. That's peculiar. Seemed to me like a natural with Alan Ladd as an Assyrian glassblower and Marie McDonald running a baking kiln.
1: They probably turned the treatise down because it didn't have any love interest.
0: Yes, that might be. But they'll probably snap up my new one on Phoenician cooking utensils. It's got some very racist passages in it.
1: My, you are brilliant, Dr. McGee. To be able to turn out such learned works.
0: Yes, my IQ reads like Mickey Mantle's batting average. I sure wish I could get a student once in a while with some gray matter between his ears. All I get is a bunch of featherheads.
1: But the courses you teach are so difficult, Doctor. The philosophy of Babylonian tree worship. Oh, that one. Wind direction as it influenced trade routes on the Dead Sea. Mm -hmm. And translating untranslatable languages. It would take a real scholar to get through
0: those. Yes, I guess you're right, Miss Dickham. I guess I'm just so brilliant myself that I expect too much from my students. Yes, sir. That's my only real weakness in this teaching game. I'm just too brilliant.
1: And so that's the way you think your life would have turned out if you had become a college professor, is it, McGee? Yep.
0: With all my brains and knowledge, I might have had trouble getting down to the level of my students. But I think I'd have done a pretty good job.
1: Incidentally, McGee, I'm stuck on one thing here in the crossword puzzle. It's a Middle Eastern country... I-blank-A-Q. Do you have any idea what it could be?
0: Oh, my! don't bother me with those silly questions. Only an egghead would know the answer to that.
1: Are you still sitting there thinking how different your life might have been if you had taken up some different
0: occupation? Yep. That newspaper article pointing out how there's 16,000 different ways to make a living in this country really set me to thinking. I wonder how many thousands of them I could have become rich and famous in. Oh, I don't know. I imagine that most of them take a lot of experience and training. I'm thinking of the ones that you just need inborn talent for. Like music, for instance. Why, the way I used to coax Heavenly Harmony out of a mandolin, I'll bet I could have been a great bop musician. If I'd have kept up my music, I probably would have become the idol of the nation's Bobby Soxers. Yes, sir. I'll bet that's what I'd be today.
1: Heavenly days, aren't you Hot Fingers, McGee, the great Bob Mandolinist?
0: That's right, sis. Me and the boys are playing a little riff here in town tonight. I got me a pad upstairs in this hotel.
1: Oh, Hot Fingers, you're my idol. I'm the president of your fan club.
0: Crazy.
1: You mean I am or you are?
0: That rat neither one of us is. That's just an expression us bop musicians use. You must be pretty square.
1: Oh, I don't think so. The other Bobby Soxers all say I'm half. And I have every record you ever made.
0: Have you heard my latest one? Hot etude for mandolin played with mittens
1: on? I have four copies of it, Hot Finger. And it's the most. Reet. Root. Kazoot. I'm wild about the flip side, too. Sizzling strings in East St. Louis. You
0: dig that stuff, do you, kiddo? It
1: sends me right up on cloud nine. Crazy. Which one of us do you
0: mean this time? Dad, I tell you, that's just a cool expression. Now, I haven't got time to stand around here and bat the fat with you, kid. Why don't you just give me some skin and take off? Well, I was really hoping
1: you'd give me your autograph. Otherwise, the girls will never believe I really talked to
0: you. Okay, babe. Where do I take my camel's hair gloves off here. You want me to inscriptionize it in any special way?
1: Well, just say, to Molly Driscoll, the delightful and charming president of the Hot Fingers McGee Fan Club, Hoboken Local, number 612. With all my love always, Hot Fingers.
0: Dad, it, sis, I'm giving you my autograph. I'm not writing you a novel. What if I just write Best Regards, Hot Fingers McGee? Crazy. Yeah, ain't we all? And so that's the way you
1: picture yourself as a great bop musician, huh, McGee?
0: Molly, if I'd have stuck with my music, I'd be the king of the cool crowd today.
1: Well, if you're such a musical genius, maybe you can figure out what's wrong with the piano. A couple of the notes sound awfully flat to me.
0: Molly, how in the world do you expect me to fix a thing like that? You know I'm tone deaf. You know, Molly, I can't help thinking that maybe I've wasted my life pursuing the wrong career. (laughs) Well, if you consider sleeping in the hammock
1: to be a career, I'd have to agree that your life hasn't been too productive.
0: Now you take my facility with words. Why, if I'd have spent my life writing them down the way I talk do you know what I could have done? Yeah, You probably could have struck a blow at the English language that it would never recover from. I'll just bypass your crude attempts at witticism to inform you that I could have been a great author. Fibber Armstrong McGee. Fibber Armstrong McGee? You don't have any middle name, dearie. All great authors have got middle names, Molly. What could be more perfect for the greatest novelist of our time than Fibber Armstrong McGee? Lots of fury. The old man avasted the yard arm and poured it to starboard in a bold move to save his craft. But the Mary G sank in anyhow.
1: Uh, pardon me, I know you don't like to be bothered when you're working, Fibber Armstrong. But there's another group of children out here who'd like to tell you what they want for Christmas.
0: I'd rather, why does every Sandra, Stevie, and Cynthia in the neighborhood come hightailing at to me with their want list?
1: It's that chin shrubbery you wear. They think you're Santa Claus.
0: Well, just tell them I'm Fibber Armstrong McGee, the noted author, and point them toward the nearest elf.
1: You know you wouldn't have all this trouble
0: if you'd shave off that beard. All us great novelists wear beards. You can't just assume a fellow's Santa Claus because he's got a beard on. Lots of other people wear them. The Smith Brothers... Kitch Henderson, Father Time, and Charles Evans Hughes. Charles Evans Hughes? That's right. I'm glad to know you've heard of him.
1: Well, I'll try not to bother you again, dearie. What are you doing anyway?
0: I'm writing the great American novel. It's going to be called The Old Man and the Sea.
1: Didn't Ernest Hemingway already write that?
0: I don't recognize that name. He probably never got it published if he did. Mine's a story about an old Cuban fisherman. He goes out in the ocean hunting for brook trout. In the ocean? Oh, it's the Caribbean Sea, actually. Anyhow, he hooks this great big fish. Only the sharks eat the whole thing up before he can get back to shore with it. Isn't that a great story? Well? Would you like to have an autographed copy of it when it comes out?
1: I sure would. And I'd also like to get a peek at
0: Ernest Hemingway's
1: lawyer when he comes to visit you. Hemingway. Hemingway.
0: (laughs) Ah, I still say it would have been a great book, Molly.
1: It certainly would, dearie. And after you finished it, you could have started work on a dictionary. That's another great book that's been written before. McGee, there's no use crying over spilled milk. Maybe you did pick the wrong occupation for your life's work. But what's the point in thinking about it now?
0: Well, it's this newspaper article that got me started, Molly. The Census Bureau says there's 16,000 different ways of making a living in this country. It just upsets me to think that I didn't try my hand at more of them than I did.
1: Well, we've had a lot of happiness, McGee, and after all, that's the main thing. I know,
0: but it's a shame to let great talent go to waste. Supposing, for instance, I'd stayed in the Army... Do you realize what I'd probably be by now?
1: Yes, you'd probably be the oldest private in military
0: history. I never would be known never such a thing of the kind. I'd be at least a general sitting down in the Pentagon plotting military stratagems all over the place. Yes, sir. I'd be a leader of men, Molly. Pulling the strings that make our national defense tick.
1: Pardon me, General McGee, but I'm your new orderly, Sergeant Driscoll.
0: Oh, you're a whack, eh? No,
1: sir, I'm as sane as anybody. I didn't volunteer for the job. It was assigned to me.
0: Well, I'm sure you'll find it's a big thrill being the flunky for a top national hero like me. You've heard all about my brilliant record, I suppose.
1: Well, I know that you're one of the old school of military leaders. You're the one who wants to reactivate the cavalry, aren't you?
0: That's right, Sarge. And it's a great idea, too. Give a man a horse he can ride. That's my motto. These newfangled machines they use in the Army now will never last. Don't you agree? No, sir. Bad read it, Sarge. When you're assigned to me, you're supposed to agree. And I say you can't fight a war without horses, is that clear? Well, not quite. I mean... I'm glad we see eye to eye on the thing. I got great persuasive powers. That's what made me such a brilliant leader. And I'm far-sighted too. Well,
1: I'm sure the medical corps would arrange for you to have an eye examination. That reddit, Sarge, there's nothing wrong with my eyes. What I'm
0: trying to tell you is that I'm a visionary. Is that like a spook? No, it ain't like a spook. It means I can see into the future. And I say we're going to be in serious trouble if the government keeps taking the money it should use to buy horses and squanders it on rockets and jet planes and all stuff like that there. Right? Wrong. You're just saying that because you don't see the whole picture like I do. Now, polish up my medals, will you, Sarge? I got no time to chew the fat. I got to spend $3 billion on something before lunch.
1: Well, you might have made a great general, McGee, but I think it would have been in the War of 1812.
0: No, Molly, there's always room in the military for a natural-born leader. And you know what persuasive powers I got to make others do my bidding.
1: That's right, sweetheart. That's you. All you have to do is whistle, and every dog in the neighborhood
0: comes. Maybe a big steel tycoon. No, smoke from the blast furnaces would make my eyes water.
1: McGee, are you still obsessed with this idea that you should have taken up some different occupation as your life's work?
0: Molly, the more I think about it, the more it stands to reason that I could have made a pile of dough at a lot of different things with my talent and brains. But do you know what I think I really would have done the best at? Well, judging from the amount of time you sleep, I'd say that
1: you would have made an outstanding mattress tester.
0: Oh, there's no dough in that. What I should have been was a psychiatrist.
1: But McGee, it takes years of difficult training before you can practice psychiatry.
0: i have sailed through them, kiddo. Why, I can see myself now, laying there on the couch, chewing the fat with patience, 25 bucks a throw.
1: Good morning, Dr. McGee.
0: Ah, there, Mrs. Fortnightly. Let me make a note of what you just said. Good morning, Dr. Is that McGee with an H? Well, how would I know? It's your name.
1: Besides, I don't see what you're making a note of that for. All I said was good morning.
0: It's the stuff you say without thinking like that that reveals all the junk down in your semi Mrs. Fortnightly. Now sit down and tell me your private affairs.
1: Doctor, shouldn't I be the one lying on the couch?
0: It's my couch, Mrs. Fortnightly, and I'll lay on it if I want to. Now what's with your dreams? The same old jazz...
1: Yes, I still keep dreaming that I want to take a trip to see my children.
0: But I always get on the wrong train. Dad, drat it, Mrs. Fortnightly. I keep telling you to pay attention to what the dispatcher says. And if you're still mixed up, go to the information desk. How can I help you if you won't take my advice? But it's only a dream, Doctor. How can I follow your advice in a dream? If you want to stay tense, just go on resisting me. I bet you haven't even started fighting with your husband like I told you to do.
1: No, I just hate to do it. He's so nice to me. You hate him,
0: Mrs. Fortnightly, and you'll feel better if you crack his head open with a hunk of clattery.
1: Oh, you're wrong, Dr. McGee. I don't hate my husband. How do you know?
0: Are you a psychiatrist?
1: Well, no, but I just feel... Ah,
0: you feel. And let me tell you that feelings are the root of your whole problem. You really think so? Mrs. Fortnightly, I've read medical books that have got bigger words in it than you ever saw, and I'm telling you that's your whole trouble. Get rid of your emotions and you'll find you haven't got a care in the world. Oh, Doctor, how can I ever thank you enough? I feel better already. Not necessary to thank me, Mrs. Fortnightly. You can just leave me a tip with your 25-buck fee as you leave. And tell the girl in the outer office to wake me when the next patient comes in.
1: And so that's the way you would have gone about practicing psychiatry, is it, McGee?
0: Any featherhead can do it, Molly. In fact, I may still decide to take up psychiatrizing.